This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At 6 o'clock in one hour, right here on Grant and Danny, without Danny, you will hear the Ron Rivera press conference today. He talked about his decision at quarterback without answering who's going to start. And he actually said he doesn't yet know the answer. I don't believe that. Sounds like he's still watching film. He also suggested, and again, we'll play the full presser at six in one hour. He suggested that he's talking to a lot of the players and he's essentially getting input on the decision. Here's here's a question I've got for people. How much should what the players want him to do matter? I actually think that's fascinating because here's how I think right now you guys feel. I think that you think that the players want Heineke to play, and I understand where that thought process comes from. You see them partying with Heineke on the plane, right? We know how much they respect and admire Heineke, but I think that they really like Heineke in the same way you guys really like Heineke, and a lot of us do. It's an amazing story. It's like the little brother hanging out with you, going to the concert, and being, you know, saying a funny joke when your friends are around or uh, being the, the center of attention. And everyone's like, man, he's cool. He's one of us. Uh, Patronizing is maybe too strong of a word, but they love Heineke because he can function like an NFL player as a dude who was on a couch a couple years ago who no one really gives a chance to. And he's one of the guys, and he's undersized, and then he gets out on the field, and he makes some hero plays. I think they like that a lot. I do think they like him, but... We shouldn't confuse that for maybe that they would stand on the table for him against Carson Wentz because I don't necessarily know that that's the case. Listening to the presser today that you guys will hear in an hour, it felt like the line of questioning at times from reporters in the press conference about, hey, are you going to talk to players? Are you going to ask them to vote on who they want to start? It, It almost feels like the idea is that all the players would really prefer Heineke over Wentz. I'm not sure that I buy that. I never really have bought that. I think they really like Taylor Heineke. P. 
period. See how I did that? <laughs> like that that doesn't mean that they that he has to start or that they don't like Carson Wentz. I mean, when Carson Wentz had a hurt shoulder, they kept him out of practice for the majority of a week and a broken finger. He was pancaking Roquan Smith in Chicago. Remember that? It was the second straight week he had thrown a block with his shoulder that had knocked a star defensive player to the grass. You think that makes you unpopular with teammates? I'm not sure about that. So I'd be curious to see, number one, what a vote would look like. You know, the, how many strong opinions there actually are in that locker room in terms of Heineke over Wentz. Because I think people take endorsements of how Heineke plays and his will and his effort and the way that he goes about his business as some kind of an indictment on Wentz. You know, right after the nationally televised game on Monday Night Football against the Eagles, Terry McLaurin was saying some really nice things on the Scott Van Pelt show about Heineke. And I remember that the story at that point was that it was him saying Heineke should be the guy. And I didn't think that for the the exact same thing. I, I thought he was saying, like, yeah, I really like Heineke. He's awesome. It doesn't mean that they don't like Wentz. So that's number one. But the other thing is, I also don't think what the players necessarily would prefer should matter. And that's regardless of who they'd prefer. Let's say the voting comes back and it's universal. Heineke. We want him to start. Cool. Now put your pads on and get ready to go play football. Carson Wentz is your starter. Let's say they all vote and it's 100% universal for Carson Wentz. Cool. Now put your pads on. I'll tell you who your starter is in our team meeting tomorrow morning. It'll be the guy that I choose. There is a Nick Saban line that, not surprisingly, uh, John Allen, who played at Alabama for Nick Saban, who's had probably the best season of anybody on the team. Him and Payne and McLaurin are probably on a short list there. And he was on with the junkies sitting in the studio where I'm sitting right now on Half Street, still decorated with some Christmas stuff from the junkies drinking show. It is a, a festive environment here. And actually, I'm, I hope we leave this up, like the, the house where they leave the Christmas tree up. Because it makes me feel like it's still Christmassy a little bit. If it was up to me, by the way, we would leave our Christmas tree up into February at my house. Like, I get so steamed up for leaving up decorations. I hate that Christmas comes and goes and then it's over and you just have to move on. The the saddest night every year for me is like Boxing Day, December 26th. You're like going back to work or whatever and your, your relatives are leaving town or you're leaving wherever you've been. Like you got to wait 360 days again to do it all over again for the week of Christmas. But anyway, John Allen sat in this studio and he said the team picks the quarterback. And I, I just, I love you, John. I disagree, man. That's not true. <laughs> Players play. They're not all GMs. Some can be GMs. Some can't. You know who's a terrible GM? John Elway, man. So far, it seems like John Lynch, pretty good. Players watch film in the way that they need to to prepare, and they know what they're talking about largely, but I don't know how many of them are evaluating the quarterback position snap by snap, you know, game by game. 
and relationships can factor into that in a way that is problematic. I mean, you ask Ryan or you ask Darius, hey, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy at the radio station? How they like that person might be a factor in their answer, right? It's the same with players. You like having a beer with Heineke? You hang out with him more than you hang out with Carson Wentz? Maybe you'd say start Taylor Heineke. It's not up to the players, and I don't think it should be, but I'm curious what you guys think about that. At 800-636-1067, let's go to Dominic in Ohio on G&D. No Danny today. What's up, Dominic? Jeeps, how you doing, man? I'm Merry good. Christmas, Happy holidays, year, bro. All that good stuff. You too. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. So I, I think the quarterback dynamic in Washington is super interesting because it's a very real-life varsity blues situation. Uh, Carson Wentz is Lance, and, and Heineke is Moxon. I, I mean, the guys are, are equally liked in different ways on the team, but if you, you know, the, the talent differential between the two is evident. Uh, there was a reason that uh, you know, Lance in the movie had a D1 scholarship offer and, and Moxon was on the bench. But the guys rallied around Mox because they like him, he's a good person, and they can hang with him. Uh, but if if the availability is there to go back to the higher ceiling, I think they're all to a man going to go that way. They're just going to try to figure out the best way to do it without, you know, squashing squashing Heineke's hopes and dreams and feelings in a way that, you know, is, is irreparable. So that's well said, and you know that uh, you found a soft spot for me because your boy's a big varsity blues guy. All the way down to the whipped cream bikini, man. All that is is a great film. Really well done. I would bet that if you're a wide receiver on this team, you have to know that you have a better chance to get the football and to impact games with Wentz than Heineke. Now, what's interesting about that is it does seem like they've done a better job getting Terry McLaurin the football with Heineke, for sure. His targets, his involvement went up with Heineke. How much of that was because of design? How much of that was because of play calling? Conceptually, maybe an epiphany or a realization from Scott Turner and the staff that they were not giving Tara McLaurin enough of a chance to impact games? Like, that's the part I don't know. And I'll be honest with you. This is why I've wanted to see Carson Wentz. This is why, largely, I've wanted all year long to get another look at Wentz to see how much of the evolution of the offense and some of the changes we've seen are based on the shift at quarterback and how much of this was some things changed. Right, like Brian Robinson starts playing and uh, becomes really good, and your defense gets better and becomes what it was supposed to at the beginning of the year. How much is forcing the ball to, to McLaurin because Heineke knows he's the best player and he's not going to settle for anything other than chucking him the pill versus it was only a month or so, right? And and maybe Scott Turner goes, okay, let's self-scout here. Terry McLaurin had two catches in our opener. He had two catches in game four against the Cowboys for 15 yards. We're not going to have him catch two balls again for the rest of this season over my dead body. He went five for 76 against the Titans. And then in that game where they couldn't complete the ball to anybody at the Bears, he had three for 41. So in three of the six games where Wentz played, he had two or three catches. I mean, that is unacceptable. 
And if this weekend against the Browns, he has three catches for 19 yards again, I think that's going to be telling, right? But when they started playing Heineke, which is when they started to be able to play better defense, which meant they got more snaps because they got off the field defensively. Their offense had the ball more. They also started to run the ball and stay ahead of the sticks, which meant they ran more plays, had more time of possession. Everyone gets the ball more because you're on the field more. So in some of these games, when you're not possessing the football, it looks really bad that this guy has two targets, this guy has three, quarterback might have only thrown 19 times, whatever it is. So you never have the football. And that is possible. Or it's just that Wentz didn't properly involve McLaurin. But now we're going to find that out. That's what I like. I know that Wentz fed Jahan Dotson. And basically until this weekend, after his injury, Dotson had been much of a non-factor. Like He even has had a touchdown in three straight weeks, and it's felt like he's been completely underutilized. He didn't get targeted and involved against the Giants in the tie really at all until the very end of the game when they went on the 90-yard drive before overtime. Then they finally started using him against New York in the loss, and the last two weeks he's gone 10 for almost 200. But if you go back to when he started playing after his injury, he was out from weeks 5 through 9. He came back one catch for 14, one catch for 13, zero catches on one target. So he missed over a month, then for three weeks had two catches. Look at Curtis Samuel's usage. I mean, Samuel and Dotson both way more productive with Wentz early on. Does that mean Heineke avoided them? No, I don't think so. But it does seem like there was a shift in the offense. And maybe we'll get to figure out why that was. Yeah, because they played. Eric's in Battletown. What's up, Eric? How are you? Hey, man. Uh, I like you have the day off yesterday, and Danny's got the day off today. Isn't that funny? But anyways, my apologies. Um, Heineke played the toughest defense in the league. You know what I mean? He played the toughest defense in the league, and everybody's giving him, uh, you know, a hard time about it. So I, I don't know if anyone's giving him a hard time. I mean, he played well against the best defense in the league, too. Yeah, exactly. So, in my opinion, why is everyone looking at him like it's his fault, really? The defense plays hard for him. The offense plays hard for him, homie. And that's all I got to say, Grant. I appreciate uh, you letting me talk to you. Thank you very much. You got it. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit confused by what you're talking about because I, I don't know what you mean. I don't – I can't speak – you said why does everyone. I, I can't speak for everyone. I, I don't know what they're saying. I know that Heineke against a great 49ers defense came out this weekend and I thought played his best game prior to the three snaps and two turnovers that got him benched. The fumble in the pocket where he held the football and didn't protect it. It was his second loss fumble, obviously. Near his own goal line in as many weeks. And then the interception. Rivera was waiting for him to mess up so he could bench him. You know, it's almost like a parent who was waiting for his kid to do anything so that he could tell him he couldn't go to the party he didn't want him to go to. Didn't clean his room. I was going to find something. I've always said this. Like, if a cop rides uh, rides behind you on the road long enough, if they want to pull you over, they can do it. You went over the line once or, you know, you uh, you, you, you didn't do this or that. Like they, they can find a reason. You ride behind someone for a couple miles, 
You can pull him over. You'll have a reason to. I think Rivera was riding behind Heineke for a couple of miles, just waiting for anything. And then when he went through that, you know, the stale yellow that had turned red just a split second before he got through the intersection, Rivera turned on his lights. Here we go. Time to go to Carson Wentz. I don't know anyone that would blame Heineke for the loss against the Niners. I think he was awesome for three quarters. I really do. It was the best he's been. I'm excited to see Wentz for two reasons. One, Heineke hasn't been very good over the duration of his time on the field this year. Two, what they gave up for Carson Wentz, which was way too much, which was a bad idea. And they owe it to that deal, to the process, to to just see what it looks like in this offense. They never had him in this offense when they were able to run the ball when their defense was playing well. Hasn't happened. I want to see what that looks like. I care more about that than any of this fool's gold going on right now. Because they got a big decision to make this offseason. And I can know that they shouldn't keep driving down this path with Wentz. You can know that. They traded a two and a three and gave up $28 million. I promise you, if they don't keep him as their starter, they haven't decided that they're not going to yet. Hear me out as saying it differently. I think there's still a chance he's their starter in the future. I really do. I'm not saying that should be the case, but the head coach and the GM are the same guy, man. And that's why Carson Wentz got back on the field. Because they gave up a king's ransom for him. I want to see what it looks like in in case, in the event, that they want to run this back in the future. That's all. How do you think Wentz is going to play? Let's get into that next. He's got the Browns defense. I got some numbers on them. Pretty good landing spot for him. And then he's got the Cowboys who might be sitting some starters a week after that. If he can play well in consecutive wins, Washington's going to the playoffs, and Rivera's going to be able to take his victory lap, and it's going to look like Wentz is the hero. Might he pull that off? You're listening to Grant and Danny on The Fan. Darris and Ryan on the production today. Six o'clock, you'll hear Ron Rivera's presser from earlier. By the way, next segment, boys. I want to hear what your silliest Christmas gift you got was and your silliest Christmas gift you gave was. Don't disappoint me now. Oh, Ryan immediately starts cringing a little bit. He's like, oh, boy. I don't know. doesn't sound like uh, Santa had too many presents in that bag over there, Ryan. So we'll uh, we'll get those from you next. We're talking Carson Wentz, though. The Browns are coming to town. Here is the good news about this matchup. It's a great matchup on paper for Washington. The Browns don't stop the run well. They don't stop the run really at all. They are bottom five in the NFL at stuffing the run. Overall ranking, they're 25th, but they're worse than that per play, which is the better metric. They've done an okay job against the pass where they're middle of the pack. Their defense is 20th out of 32 teams. They don't pick off passes about 1.7% of the time. And believe it or not, with Miles Garrett, they don't rush the quarterback that well. 
They're 22nd in sack rate, about 6.4% of the time. So this is not a team. You know, when you play the Cowboys, if they have their starters in next week, like that's a tough matchup in terms of holding up in pass pro. Miles Garrett had three sacks in the first two weeks. He had five sacks in the first five games of the year. He's got 13 and a half right now. And still, that team is one of the you know, bottom half of the league and worst in the league as it is, bottom 10, in terms of getting to the QB and getting you on the ground. So that's not to say that Wentz isn't going to get sacked. I think Garrett is going to have two, two and a half, you know, something like that. It could happen. But ideally, as a team, three, four sacks, something like that, I think it's probably a good place to be. You still win that football game. It's when you get into that five, six, seven range, something like that, that can become problematic. But if they sack Wentz four times, I don't think that derails you. Assuming you don't lose fumbles. I was watching Hard Knocks with um, the Cardinals in season recently. And Kingsbury, and I know he's the butt of jokes, but he had this line he was saying where I think the number was like seven or something. I'll have to go back and confirm that. But it was like the, the negative plays for them, which meant offensive penalties, sacks, and like negative yardage plays, runs or whatever, needed to be seven or lower. And and he's done the math and like his time as a coach and X percent of the time, you know, 80% or whatever you win if that number is seven or fewer. And I kind of like that for Washington. Like if you keep the number of minus one, minus two runs, get you behind the sticks or sacks or penalties, I don't need it to be perfect. I'm not crazy. I don't need you to have no sacks and you're never behind the sticks. It's going to happen occasionally. You get 10 or so drives, right? If a couple of them get spoiled, that's football. But it can't be the norm. My guess is their plan is going to be similar to what they told them going into San Francisco, which is let's let our playmakers make plays, man. And I don't know how much they have to tell him. Like, if he's smart, and I don't know Wentz, I've never talked to him, but watch your own film. Do a little self-scouting. You know what happened against Philly and against Dallas? You gave the offense no chance by holding on to the ball the way he did. And Turner's got to help him. Turner's got to call some quicker, developing, shorter, dropped stuff. It's got to be three and five steps and out. But you still want that deep shot. You still want some play action. And that's going to take you know, being effective in the running game and maybe even moving the pocket, You know, giving him the time to survey a little bit those are shots. Those are wrinkles. That, that's additive. That's one, two times a half. But it's got to be part of the offense. Otherwise, what the heck did you trade for this guy for? If you didn't plan on throwing the ball down the field, wh- why are we doing any of this? Why did you drive to the beach if you don't plan on getting in the water? You don't acquire Carson Wentz and talk about how big his arm is and his arm strength if you're not planning on allowing him to throw the ball vertically, it's got to be a part of what they want to do. But I think against the Browns, this is about everything we've been saying for weeks with Heineke. It's Brian Robinson. Sounds like maybe Gibson's banged up. That's fine. Jonathan Williams is capable number two. Robinson's going to get 20-plus carries. Maybe Williams gets eight or nine carries. You're close to 30 with those two guys. You stay on the field. 
and you let Wentz complete 65 to 70%, throw for a couple hundred yards and a couple touchdowns, protect the football, and assuming your defense just plays normal football, you get out of there with a win against this team. You're not playing the Chiefs. Let's not act like we are here. No, this is not a playoff team because they're not good. Let's go to Herb in Stafford. What's up, Herb? How are you? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm glad to be on. Appreciate you. I'm going to tell, tell you a couple reasons why I'm excited for Wentz. One thing is this. You don't lose your job by injury. I'm a strong believer in that. Another thing is we're the only team in the NFL up until this past week, since week two, that hasn't had more than two offensive touchdowns. Since week two, we have not had more than two offensive touchdowns. Wentz will bring that. I mean, I, I just, I'm excited to see what he brings. He utilizes his playmakers, and that's something that we weren't getting. I'll listen. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, it's it's so hard for me because you know it almost seems like I'm always in the middle, um, trying to be devil's advocate. I'm just not a big believer in Wentz. I just think he's better than Heineke. That's how I would sum it up. So, am I thinking that this is going to solve all their problems? Nope. Uh, their long term answer is ideally not on the roster right now. The guy that's going to help them go on their first long playoff run. Since I was in diapers and some of you guys listening right now weren't born and a lot of you guys who are listening were a lot younger and partying after those Super Bowls, that person is not on the roster. My vision, best case scenario, I close my eyes and think about what I want it to look like, is exactly what it's been with Heineke, but you hit on more of the stuff that he hasn't been able to throw in the ball. And I actually think that's a really hard team to play. If you're able to run it, if you're able to play good defense, and you're able to gash teams down the field on some shots and play action, I think that's a pain-in-the-ass team to deal with. And that's kind of best-case scenario what I'm hoping they can become with Wentz. And it maybe they fall on their face here proverbially. Maybe he does literally. I mean, maybe, you know, he's in the backfield falling all over and getting hit, and next thing you know, it's been two games. They lose one or both of them, and and they go into the offseason knowing definitively they got to get out of jail free card on him they're using, and Heineke's a backup as well, and, and now what? Do you call on Garoppolo? Do you trade up to go get a QB in the draft? I mean, those conversations will begin if they don't make the playoffs. I think those conversations should probably happen even if they do. But I'll sneak this take in on you real quick. I think if they make the playoffs, they're probably going to start beating the drums for you know, Wentz to come back here the following season. Let's go to Pat in Mechanicsville on Grant and Danny. What's up, Pat? All right. How you doing this evening? I'm good, buddy. Hey, um, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember last year when the Colts had a chance to get in the playoffs and Wentz fell on his face against Jacksonville. And that's the only reason we have him on our roster now, because if he had a went and won that game, and, and uh, he, he still would have been with the Colts. And another thing, my scenario, the perfect scenario this weekend would be um, the Redskins win Saturday, everybody else lose, the last game doesn't matter, 
and we put in Sam Howe and let him quarterback mid midway through that game and just to see what he could do a little bit. And other than that, I have no confidence in um, Wentz. Thank you very much. Yeah, it'd be cool to see how. I just think that that ship is midway into the ocean at this point, and we can't see it from the pier anymore. But if your hypothetical comes through, I think that would make sense. It would be awesome to see him. Uh, They wouldn't take that opportunity, though. What they would probably do is play Wentz to get him the reps that they would feel like he needs to have the best grasp going into the playoffs. If you sit him maybe for the fourth quarter or something, my guess is they'd go to Heineke and get him some work going into the postseason because those would be the two guys that would be active. You don't really play quarterbacks that are third on your depth chart unless you're in evaluation mode for the upcoming season. So I think our chances, those of us who wanted to see Sam Howell, and I was among that contingent at one point this season, um, that's probably no longer an option. For the caller who mentioned the red zone, they were 5-for-5 five five in the red zone at getting touchdowns their first two weeks of the year when Wentz in this passing game was humming. Jacksonville 2-for-2, two two, Detroit 3-for-3. Three they went 1-for-3 in that dud against the Eagles, and then 1-for-3 against Dallas, 0-for-1 against the Titans, 1-for-2 against the Bears. But part of what they wanted when they went to Heineke was to upgrade on third down, which they initially did, and then it ended up being essentially the same before you know, it got a lot worse late. And they wanted better red zone production, and they haven't gotten that. That's one area in his career where Wentz has actually been pretty good with the big arm, forcing the ball into some tighter windows. They were 2-for-3 against the 49ers in that capacity. What do you guys expect from Carson Wentz against Cleveland? That is the question on Grant and Danny on the fan. We got Ron Rivera's press conference with reporters from today coming up at the top of the hour on Grant and Danny here on the fan. So I was just wondering, I was looking at the Browns-Saints box score and was watching some of the highlights back. I watched some of the game this weekend, and I remember the the weather was just absolutely horrific. And it got me to wonder, and I said, so what is the weather going to be like at FedEx Field this weekend for this game? Is it going to be frigid? Will it be windy? For all I know, I never know anything. I pay no attention to the weather. I'm the anti-Doug Cameron, both in that I'm not gorgeous looking and I don't know anything about the weather. So I assigned Ryan to get us a weather report, and apparently it's going to be very pleasant, perhaps. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, an official Grant and Danny meteorologist take right now. Like Sex Panther, 57% of the time, he's right some of the time. Ladies and gentlemen, show meteorologist Ryan Clary. Thank you, Grant. And let's just say this. The last half of that baseball season of this past season, I was on fire. I don't think I ever missed a diagnosis, really. I was like a doctor pinpointing what sickness people have. I was just so good at this stuff. But here, here's what I'm paid to do. The problem is before, to to just keep up with your analogy there, before the second half of the season, Darius went in with a cold and you amputated his arm. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good analogy to figure out how that first half went. But, I think again, it matters how, how you finish, and I finished strong that year. And not to Darius, who's armless over there. That's but. fine. It's fine. Darius will be fine. So, this Sunday, from what I can tell, 
FedEx Field will start off at about 54 degrees for a 1 p.m. kick. And that's a pretty nice day. Although. So that's at kickoff? That's at kickoff. So tailgating is going to be pleasant. Tailgating? You put a a jacket on? You're you're fine. I think you're fine if you wear a sweatshirt to the tailgate, long pants. You're going to feel really nice and comfy. But here, here's my big butt. But I expect Someone's some been doing rain. Their squats over there. I have. I expect some rain Yee. in the morning for that very much big time tailgate. Tailgate Ted, bring the rain gear because it is going to rain on you. Nothing. What crazy. time's it going to rain? My predictions, my sources, they tell me that it's going to be raining from nine thirty to around one thirty. PM. Oh, no. Yeah, so I think this first half of the game could be a little sloppy. We could be seeing a lot of Nick Chubb. We could be seeing a lot of Brian Robinson. Because of that, wet, sloppy turf with a dry, or not dry, a wet football. Oh, dry football in the rain? No, no, no. Wet football. I meant a wet football. <laughs> wet football, very different. It's a tough break because I've, I've been to two games this year, and both times they've rained. Are you going this time? I am hoping to. haven't Look locked it you. in yet, but... Hoping to go. So that means it's probably going to rain because when I go, it rains. That's also, he's calling, and I'm, I'm like all crestfallen as if it's actually going to happen for some reason, uh, which we all know that, you know, these predictions mean nothing. Having said that, he just predicted that the entire tailgate is basically going to be rained on or rained out. Yes, I did. But I will say, the last few times that I predicted my weather, I predicted it correctly. And that's something that you both have to admit. I kind of batted a thousand down the stretch there in a little rainy September. Did I not? You did well. Thank you. You, you did a strong finish to the season. Thank All you. Right. I did say quickly though, I wanted to get your guys' best gift that you gave, and because um, you know I care about both of you, and you received as well. But this is the, the season of giving, so let's start with that. There's the, the gift you were proudest of that you gave. A uh, gift that I'm proudest of. Uh, let's see. I would probably go. I got my dad a new Keurig machine. Uh, he's a coffee guy. I'm not a coffee guy. Um, but, yeah, we, we lost our Keurig machine when we moved a couple years ago. So got him a new one, and he was pretty happy about it. So I think it's a good gift. That's a great gift. Yeah. Dad made out. Did. Uh, did I ever tell you guys this story? So when I'm one of four kids in my family, family of six. I'm the third of the four. My oldest brother, I was a little kid, and we went to a restaurant once. He was like 12 or 13. And my dad was ordering coffee after dinner. And so he got a coffee, and my brother's like, I'd like a coffee, too. Like, you know, his voice hadn't changed or whatever. And so the waitress is like, you want a coffee? And he's like, yeah. And she goes, okay, Mr. Coffee Man. Just like just like that <laughs> in the most, like, condescending, patri- like patronizing way. So I still to this day will call him Mr. Coffee Man sometimes. Oh, that's a good bit. I mean, it's just so, you know, so embarrassing. <laughs> he's like, I'd like a coffee. And she's like, you want a coffee? Come over here, sport. Get over here, little guy. And he's like, yeah, I do. Okay, Mr. Coffee Man. She like brings out, you know, black coffee and like teaches him how to do it. Anyway, very cool. Good gift. What was the best gift you got? Best I got. My sister got me kind of a I guess I could actually use this, but I'm probably not. I'm probably just gonna keep it as a souvenir. But it's it's a uh, a ramen bowl that comes with uh chopsticks and are uh, the design on the ramen bowl is actually Marvel Comics characters. So it's kind of cool. That yeah. is really yeah. cool. Again, I probably I probably won't actually use it for ramen. I'll could. just have it as a souvenir. I could though. Yes. Can you say souvenir again? I'm noticing something happening. Oh Lord. Here. Souvenir. Oh yes. 
Am I saying it wrong? Okay, hold on. I want to. Let me turn up my headphones. We have we have fifteen seconds. All right, give me it one more time. Souvenir. Yep. There's something happening there. I think there's an L in there. It's a weird sound. All right, so we're gonna have to wait to find out what uh, what Ryan got and gave this holiday season. You got Ron Rivera's press conference coming up next as well. Grant and Danny, no Danny on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.